KFI AM 640. You have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. Uh, You know, in about half an hour, I'm going to do my segment, Should I Stay or Should I Go? So if you're in a relationship and you're not quite sure if there's uh, enough warm fuzzies or if there's too many cold pricklies and you want me to weigh in, then give us a call. Starting at about, uh, let's see, 5.30. Okay, I'll I'll throw the phone number out in the next segment, but about 5.30, hang in there because I'd love to hear from you. Uh, so yesterday I want to tell you a story. I, uh, my daughter, Carrington, happy birthday, turned 20. I know, it's just pinch me. I can't believe it. I did get a lot of social media from people who said, when I posted her pictures and such, I remember her from A Baby Story. Do you remember that show from TLC? Was it TLC? I think that aired A Baby Story. And so they followed couples on their pregnancy through birth. And that was Carrington 20 years ago. I was doing like a pregnancy aerobics class and some producer came in and says, anyone want? And I thought, wow, broadcast quality video of your birth and everything. This would be great. Keepsake. Of course, I can't find the tape anywhere. Now I got to try to find it. Carrington 2020. Carrington. (laughs) So you'll never guess what she wanted to do for her birthday. She's going into her third year of college, obsessed with the show RuPaul's Drag Race, which is a good watch if you haven't seen it. So she said she wanted to go to drag brunch at the Abbey in West Hollywood. Now, the Abbey is a world-famous restaurant and bar uh, servicing everybody in the planet, but it happens to be also considered partly a gay bar. And um, drag brunch are where some of these famous drag queens show up and do a performance while we all have brunch. And it is a hoot. It is so much fun. But I got talking to the manager and I was telling him that I teach health psychology at Cal State Channel Islands and that um, I do a lecture on gender and um, talking about some of the chromosomal differences and et cetera, et cetera. And then like 10 minutes later, dude walks up to me and he's like, I just want to thank you so much for what you do for the community. And he gave me a free bottle of champagne. I'm not joking. A whole bottle of champagne. Of course, I was driving. I had to share it with my friends uh, because, I, you know, I'm very worried about drinking and driving these days. Had I known, I would have taken an Uber. Um, so I want to welcome, as we talk about this topic of gender, and I also said to him, this manager in our conversation, Why are these college girls so obsessed with drag queens right now? And I suspect as a psychologist, it's part of their gender identity formation. In other words, they're asking themselves on some deep level, how do I go from girl to woman? Well, let's check with the pros, the ones that go from man to woman. And it is quite a transformation. And they are such artists and amazing performers. Um, So my special guest today, no, is not a drag queen. It is Dr. Dahlia Balsamo. She is assistant clinical professor at University of California, Riverside, also associate training director of psychiatry, psychiatry residency, and most importantly, staff psychiatry for the county of Riverside. Welcome, Dr. Dahlia. Thank you. Um, Got to speak up and close to the mic, nice and loud. Hi. But we met through another friend, a psychiatrist friend of mine, and you specialize in trans kids, adolescents, right? Yes, I do. Um... Working with transgender kids has been part of my training, and uh, I'm very passionate about working with a transgender community. So before we went on air, we were talking a little bit about the concept of gender. And I believe everything human has a biopsychosocial piece, right? But 
we have to make a distinction between biological sex, gender, and sexual orientation because I think people get them all mixed up. So would you define each for me, for please? Sure, yes. And uh, to those three, I also would like um, to add um, gender expression as well. Uh, so basically, biological sex is uh, what you are born with. It's your um, sex assigned at, at birth. And um, we, we can have male, female, and we also have the intersex community. And uh, gender identity, it's your inner sense of gender. And um, again, you, you can have a continuum starting from male to female, but also there are um, people who do not identify necessarily with either gender or they see themselves on a spectrum, or they can also be genderqueer uh, or um, switching between genders as well. And um, there is also sexual orientation, and that uh, only really refers to whom you're attracted to. Um, so whether or not um, you're attracted to the opposite sex or if you're um, what also we, we call pansexual. You can Miley be... Cyrus says she's pansexual. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, gender expression is basically what you put out in the world. So you can uh, identify as female, but your gender expression can be uh, completely male. Right. And I actually think, uh, I, I'm pretty sure I saw on a talk show RuPaul said that his gender is clearly male, but he his gender expression when he's in drag is female, obviously. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So um, tell me about these adolescents. What ages are you seeing in your practice? We see pretty much uh, all ages. Um, well, you, what would be the youngest? Uh, you can have as young as uh, six or seven, actually. Right, yeah. Um, no, I've seen, I you know, I, I'm a mom. I go to yeah. elementary schools. I see kids who have non-conforming gender identity, and it, it gets expressed very early on, obviously. And what is the greatest difficulty for these kids? I mean, obviously, if, they're com- if these parents are bringing them to you, the parents must be mostly accepting or trying to understand? Not always. Um, I have parents who are um, accepting. I have parents who are questioning and you know wondering what's going on and then I have also have parents who are not accepting at all and and they bring their uh, kids uh, telling me that they're just concerned and and their kids is abnormal and so I I have a a range of of parents come in Um, a lot of factors come into it Um, culture or their own sense of gender and what what do you do in your practice yeah so um as you um, questioned before, so, so to answer your previous question, you said what is being hard for those kids is really uh, fitting in and being accepted for who they are because that's that's basically what we all want. We want all to be accepted for who we are. And um, what I usually um, try to do is um, have the parents understand, um, educate them. And uh, I have... Um, and it's a graphic. You may have seen it if you download it. For it's available for everybody. The it's gender bread man. That, but actually, we, we don't use that uh, anymore because oh. um, there are some copyright issues. Ah. Uh, so we use the gender unicorn. The gender unicorn. Yes. Shall we look it up online for me? I want to see the gender <laughs> unicorn. Okay. And the gender unicorn comes in uh, several languages. So you can have it in Spanish, Portuguese. I, I I've actually you know 
distributed in all of those languages. And and it's a very good tool because it helps um, people conceptualize in an easier way uh, what is really gender expression, what is sexual orientation, and and what I also see is that it is a spectrum, and and people can fit on different places of the spectrum. Now, it used to be considered a disorder, and in some you know still in the DSM, gender dysmorphic mm-hmm. disorder. But that's changing. Tell me about that. Yes. Um, so the DSM four uh, actually had um, what we called a gender identity disorder, and which has been changed to gender dysphoria in the DSM five, um, because gender identity disorder had a um, very um, pathological connotation to it. Mm-hmm. So gender dysphoria basically means that you know you you do not identify with again with your um, assigned um, sex at birth um, but what is interesting is that um, the World Health Organization last week has actually announced that they do not view gender dysphoria as a mental health disorder and they call it a gender dissonance um, they still have it still has an ICD-10 code and um, the rationale for having the ICD-10 code, is uh, to get treatment and also right, in for order to insurance. be able to access treatment. Exactly. But is it, this sounds a lot like what uh, gays went through. Right? Exactly. It was first a mental. I can't even think, imagine, but it was considered a mental disorder until like fairly recent, like 70, 1973, maybe. Is that when it was finally taken away? That is correct. Oh. Yes, uh, with a DSM three. With a DSM three, right. uh, homosexuality was taken out as a um, disorder. Okay, when we come back, when we come back, let's talk about these kids, in particular what they're going through, and let's answer that question that everyone's asking. What causes this? I'm with Dr. Dahlia Balsamo. She's a psychiatrist who specializes in trans adolescents. You're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. Amy King, do you have the news for us? KFI AM 640, you have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you, and my guest, Dr. Dahlia Balsamo. She is a psychiatrist who specializes in trans adolescents, and we've been talking about these kids, and I want to play devil's advocate because I know some of my listeners are, uh, Dr. Dahlia, a little skeptical about the gender concept. So what, what if they say, or what do you say to people who might say, this is too young. You have a six-year-old in your office and you're working on helping them change their gender. That's too young. How do you respond? So um, they have actually shown that we develop a sense of gender by the age of three. Uh, a lot of um, developmental psychologists have, have looked at kids and they have noticed that uh, children can recognize a gender uh, starting even from, from the ages of two, two and a half. And um, many kids and most of us have have a sense of our gender by by three, and many of us by six or seven, we actually um, what, what we call a gender constancy, uh, meaning like we know what gender we are, and we, we we don't really switch from it. However, in addition to that, um, I should add that. There have been also cases when they talk about 
kids when when they're younger uh they identify with a particular gender but then when they approach puberty um they say no not necessarily but and there actually might be biological underpinnings to that that you might like there could be born with a condition where someone with external female genitalia who was you know labeled female at birth might have undistended testes and testosterone can start to take over at puberty so there there are things that can happen at puberty as well that may have biological foundations um yes um that also adds another layer to it but what i was actually more referring to is um what they have found in amsterdam um there was this case study they called the um resistors and the resistors persisters and desisters sorry and Basically, meaning like uh, they have noticed there were many um, um, kids who were born as female but identified as male. Uh, when they reached puberty, they actually said, you know, we are um, women, but our gender expression is male. Um, so the theory behind that and uh, is that a lot of it has to do also with society and how society lets us express mm-hmm. our gender. Um, and, and I'm sure that's what you're dealing with in the psychiatry area is really how this gender, how these children who are trying to express their gender are received by their peers. Yes. And um, and I can tell you it is very difficult. Um, I mean, we, we 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 all had moments and instances, I'm, I'm pretty sure, uh, I mean, at least for most of us in school where uh, we felt very vulnerable and we wanted to be accepted as who we are. And uh, in a way, uh, you know, we, we felt uh, people made us feel excluded or different. Um, when a child is a transgender, um, the main issue is that a lot of times um, they're, they, they may get teased by their peers or their parents may not understand them or um, their teachers may, may, may what we call misgender them, meaning like they're they're using a pronoun the wrong that pronoun. The, the wrong pronoun, uh, and um, that can be very very debilitating. I mean, just imagine spending your day to day, you know, explaining yourself to others, uh, you know, telling people this is who I am and, 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 and society constantly invalidating you. Yeah. So it's, you know, if you're trying to imagine it and we have to wrap up now, but I yeah. and thank you so much for coming. But it's like imagine somebody, you know, whatever your gender identity mm-hmm. is, imagine somebody saying to you, no, you're not that. Exactly. You need to wear different clothes. You need to talk differently. You need to do a different job. We are not going to put up with that gender that you think you have. Like, imagine that someone just walked up to me and said, you're a man. And I'm like, no, I like to be a girl. <laughs> exactly. And um, I uh, we, um, I myself feel myself fortunate. I am, uh, you know, that, that, that I have um, this, you know, I, I can, you know, we, we, we have to recognize that we have the privilege of actually just not having anybody questioning our gender but but um people who are transgender um their their sense of gender identity is just as valid and as real as our sense of gender identity well thank you so much for being with us dr dahlia balsamo from she's a psychiatrist who works with trans kids uh listen when we come back let me take your calls are you in a relationship wondering should you stay or should you go call 1-800-520-1-KFI that's 
520-1534. Joey's going to open the lines right now and let's talk about your relationship, shall we? You're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. Amy King, you got the news for us? 